Do we've got everything there? All right. Okay. I will do. I will go. <laughs> Hi, everyone. Welcome to the next episode of the Cathode Ray Podcast. I'm joined here by my friend Steve Nutter. Wow, Steve, you uh, that plastic surgery was amazing, mate. You you really look younger, <laughs> better, more attractive than ever before. Oh, wow. really? No, I well. <laughs> I, you know, I, I should work on my southern drawl. I don't, I don't have a good southern drawl, but uh, yeah, Steve's not here. You're stuck with me, pal. Sorry, Steve's not here. We've got Roger, the eight bit Esquire, who's joining us. Steve's really busy this week. He's been doing all sorts of work. So uh, Roger's agreed to to jump on the podcast. We'll talk shit for an hour. But what time? What's the local time for you, Roger? Uh, it is six oh five a.m. Eastern. Uh, <laughs> but this is no big God. deal, man. Like I, yeah, I don't know if you. I've got a I've got a nine month old I've got a four year old and a nine month old, and uh, I'm up early, man. That usually the baby has me up at about four thirty. Um, you know, I've got my morning routine with him. I make a bottle, I feed him. Uh, he usually falls right back asleep. And then while I'm feeding him, I'm usually feeding myself. And but after the time he falls asleep, I go back upstairs, put him back down, and I get time to work out or uh, catch up on Twitter. Usually I just work out though. So right now I'm in my workout clothes and. Okay, yeah. Looking I'm gonna go hit the Peloton here after we're done. So we're. we're oh, good. you've got a Peloton. Is that the? Is that? It sounds so opulent and American. <laughs> it's not though. That's the thing. A like subscription for a bike. What? It so it, uh, the bike is, the bike is kind of as far as exercise equipment goes. It's a little expensive, but but it works really well. I mean, it's it's a really really easy. It's just like a, a exercise bike you get at a spin studio, and the subscription is. Uh, Description's a little expensive, but it's just so you could have, you know, the, the studio classes in your house and you don't yeah, have to go outside and deal with the public and <laughs> deal with other people. Oh, boy. The public, yeah. I mean, it's just, it's a whole thing. Well, I'd rather deal with Estonians and not Americans. Americans tend to be a little a little rough around the edges these days. But. <laughs> so, okay, we're doing that. That's nice. When your mic, with your, I've noticed, Roger, with your microphone right now, when you're talking normally, it's fine, but the lapels, I've noticed this week as well with my work with lapels, a cheap lapel, when you raise your voice, then it peaks out really easily. Oh, sorry. But your speaking volume is totally, no, no, because your speaking volume is totally fine when you're just going normally. Um, it should be all right. Anyway, we're all I'll do my there. best. Because uh, now the reason that I am uh, thinking about lapel mics is I did a whole video this week, uh, a different one for me. It's going to be released. Uh, this podcast will go out on Monday, and on Wednesday I'm dropping a new video. So the story is this: last week, my uh, production company, we were presenting John Cleese, you know, from Monty Python, of right? Course. The legendary. Uh, actor and comedian so he's on his tour and the tour is uh called last time to see me before i die and it's very john cleese very dark and you what do you get think he means you... by that <laughs> what yeah, do you think he means by it's that? unclear yeah. <laughs> there's a little picture of a gravestone the the the, the act the, the artwork for the show has a little picture of a gravestone and it says to 2020 and then little question mark uh on the final number so John is certainly aware of his own mortality coming. And uh, yeah, it's a show you get like two hours with comedy grandpa. And he tells stories and, and uh, tells jokes and uh, tells his things. And you just get some time to listen to this guy who's a, who's a legend. Um, That's incredible. That, it's good. We did three shows uh, in uh, Riga and then two in Tallinn. Um, so yeah, we've got a setup. So from my side, from the production side, he has a big screen behind him. It's a rear projector. So we've got to get some tech crew in to do that. 
Uh, they've got uh, the other thing that that Mr. Cleese does because he's eighty two. Uh, he oh, needs wow. a little prompting, so there are teleprompter screens set up, and we actually flew big, big seventy five inch OLED screens were being flown in the theater, hung about ten meters downstage. And John doesn't care that people can see them. Like it's no, it's no uh, secret that he's old and can't remember. I'm old. Anything. What do you want? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So John has these huge teleprompter screens, three of them in the theater. So we had to get those done. Uh, they're hanging there. His rear projector, and then he's got a uh, he's a uh, few people that travel with him as well. So we did that. Yeah, uh, two nights in the in the Talon Hall. So it was a really big thing. It was nice. I would say it was uh, good and nice to spend three days with John Cleese. I, I think. He has a bit of a controversial, grumpy old man kind of thing, but in person, it was it was nice. I mean, the guy's been in show business for, God, well over 50 years. Um, you know, I, I mean, I, I can imagine he's probably just, this is all old hat for him, and he's probably just, oh, I'm doing this stupid little stage <laughs> production, you know? I mean, I, I used to be a big-time... Comedy. Well, he is a big time. Comedy. The guy's a legend. He's a he's a living he's a legend. legend. I mean, he invented the modern st- moderns. Uh, what's it? Modern sketch comedy. Right. Uh, right. I mean, those. Well, I mean, Monty Python was never. Monty Python was a big deal in the states, but I, f- I feel it was probably a bigger a bigger deal in the in the UK and and Europe and probably Australia where you were growing up. But sure, um, that British but, connection there was just unbelievable. Well, I think smart Americans probably really liked John Cleese. You know. <laughs> You know, the ones that are like not afraid of PBS and would get Monty Python and Benny Hill and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, uh, John Cleese is uh, fa- so. What's he like as a person? He's nice. Like uh, he's just like Grandpa. You know, he mm-hmm. and uh, he listens to your stories. He laughs. I, I will say it is one of those moments. I was mostly um, in with him in the theater. I mean, he's got people who help him, and they're very nice. But I was being the driver as well, so I had to drive him back and forth from the hotel. As soon as the show's done, he's in the van. He's back to the hotel. He's not hanging out partying with strippers or something. The dude's 82, <laughs> so he wants to just go back to a warm hotel room and lie down. I mean, that's the story if he was. That'd be- <laughs> that's, yeah. And uh, it's nice when, I, when you tell a story and John Cleese laughs at your anecdote. It's nice. It's a right. nice moment. So I had right. that this week. So, That's yeah, funny. Comedy grandpa going around the place. And one thing also, uh, maybe some insight. This will be an interesting one. Your take on this, Roger, is uh, autograph hunters are weird to me. There's still I, people that want autographs. I don't understand the concept of an autograph. It doesn't make <laughs> any sense to me at all. And it's, you know, if you've ever gone to a sporting event, if you've ever gone anywhere where any even C or D list celebrity may be, there's somebody that wants a fucking autograph. It's, you know, I, I, don't, I don't, there's the, you know, the part of the crowd that just wants to turn around, flip it and sell it on eBay. It has no value to anybody else but you. So I don't know why you're trying to sell it. And then to me, I'd, I'd much rather get a per, you know, I'd rather have a conversation with the person because I'm going to have a better memory of that. Or if they are so inclined, I'd like to take a picture with the person. But even then, getting a picture with the person is kind of weird. Because it's like, no one cares. <laughs> you know? It's like, you know, if you, were to, if you were to show around a picture of John Cleese, like, just bring it up in conversation. Oh, here he is. It's like, okay, I believe you, dude. I know you hung out with John Cleese. Do I really need photographic evidence that you were hanging out with John Cleese? Well, <laughs> would you just, why would you just make that up? That you hung out with John Cleese? What, just to impress me? Like, 
<laughs> you know, I, I don't know. It's the same people that uh, when you're at a rock concert and they hold the phone up recording. Yes. We all know you're never looking at that again, but we never. need to somehow as humans. Yeah. Never. Like, you are actually depriving yourself of the experience of actually stop looking at your goddamn phone and, and watch the show. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I, I, that or, fi- or the people that take picture uh, videos of fireworks. That will oh, yeah. always <laughs> just completely confuse me, but... Anywho, so you got you got a lot of hagglers over there, a lot of hangers on. And- so not too well. That's the kind of thing because small Estonia, we're not used to these sort of extra parts of the entertainment industry. We're not used to pomp and ceremony. We're not used to having someone who's so unbelievable and untouchable and, and celebrity that we have to feel like we're a small place. We we don't have superstars like that. So it was interesting to talk to his management because they broke it down. There's certainly, look, there's certainly the, the, the person who's just the fan and they're like, Mr. Cleese, it's great. You know, I, I want something from this moment because this is a moment, have an autograph. And that happens and you can usually tell, but they kind of showed me how to, there are people who want it to sell on the internet. There are apparently some sort of dark web of autograph <laughs> hunters. And if you've just got the autograph, that's worth something. But if you can get it made out to that person's name, that's worth more to them. And there are these communities of people that this is valuable to them. And they were able to point out to me because some, like there were the guys, some guys were hanging out at the hotel. And I was like, how do you know this is his hotel? Right. That in of itself is weird. (laughs) And they were saying, well, maybe they would, there's only like, let's say three hotels that are at John Cleese standard in Tallinn, if that. So they all have different people at the a proc. They, you know, they know the showtime. They can work backwards from that, and they'll have someone. And I'm like, what? These people are in Estonia already, or they've traveled to Estonia? That's and so weird. It's being sold, and they and they pointed out as well. Like the guys, like, hey, can you you sign this? And he does that, and he says, oh. And there's always a second one, and it's always for the fiance. And lo and behold, he does the first one, and the second. Oh, this is for my fiance. She's a a, a big fan, and uh, I've got a in that moment it's almost like playing bouncer as well because sure. don't get me wrong i'll tell these guys to fuck off in a second if but then i have to watch the artist how's john is he re, you know is he warming to this situation when someone's just approached just on the street or is he not having it at all and if he's not having it then i'm in there in the front of them going mate nah fuck, get the fuck out if of if you're john cleese yeah. too you got to be thinking like okay on this leg of my tour i'm going to estonia this would be a nice quiet you know i won't have to deal with any of this nonsense <laughs> Sure enough, even in Estonia, you got all this nonsense you got to deal with. But is John Cleese the most in your line of work? Is he where is he on the scale of most famous entertainers that you've uh, got to deal with? I guess fame is a, a hard one to to nail down. What is the most famous? So, I mean, I guess legendary John, John Cleese has got to be up there. But here oh, in yeah. Estonia, we've presented we've presented Bill Burr, uh, Jimmy Carr's coming next month. Uh, I think maybe you, American people don't know Daniel Sloss too much, but he's this young Scottish guy who's blowing up on Netflix. Uh, but who else? Eddie Izzard, Dylan Moran oh. uh, has has been there as well. Oh, Ga- uh, Gabrielle Iglesias, Gabrielle Iglesias, Fluffy. Yeah, so had, pretty big names then. That's great. So a few That's have really- come. Why is my my camera? There we go. My so yeah, a few have come <laughs> through, and uh, so so they usually because we're such a small market here, one point three million people. The right. best I've got is this seven hundred seat. No, so, sorry, one thousand seven hundred seat theater, which is not much in the grand scheme of theater sizes and venues right. and so forth. So right. there is a, a weird limit to what we can actually do, and I can understand some. Well, one of the difficulties with this is 
it's cool that the artist wants to come, appreciate that they they want to get out into Europe and go to the wilds and the edge of civilization and so forth. It's still show business, though. And what I find is that any offer from American television or almost any offer back home is more money than what we can pay them here with our media, right. small theaters, and, and also income. So often we get canceled. I don't like the Americans because often if they get a better offer back in, in L.A., bam, they're back there. Of course. Well, it's, of course. But that's just it. It's not even just L.A. Like in America, it's not, it's not uncommon to see a fairly big name comedian show up at just like a random college campus and just play you know just play like 2,000 people or something at their student union or something like that and that's um you know I I don't know what you guys pay I won't ask but I I mean colleges will pay big money to have their students to have like a event night like that and have someone like uh you know I'm trying to think of when I went to college who we had I mean we had a couple comedians that did show up and I'm you know you're competing against that too even which is a pain in the ass but yeah, yes, even, and even as you said, oh, it's my college campus, oh, it's where the kids go, and you're like, oh, and 2,000 seats. And we're like, ah, the biggest hall we have in this country isn't even 2,000 seats. <laughs> so I do uh, understand that, okay, there's different economics at play here, and if you're an right. artist, okay, you've got a family to feed as well. They're not all you know, just super rich throwing cash so, so, so you get them if you're, you know, if you're just fortunate enough that they're doing a, a, a European tour. Yeah. Uh, yep, and yep, and, yep, yep. and hey, okay, I'll add one more date to Estonia. Why not? You've got how many seats? Okay, cool. Yeah, why not? I'll do that. Yeah, if the dates work or there's something else. So we're not typically bringing them over. Maybe right. 10 years ago when there was... Now Europe is a little bit established. Now the American market, in my perception, has discovered there's a place called Europe. Uh, there's even a couple of cities... <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> there's England and then there's ew, there. I don't know ew, over there with the continental <laughs> breakfast and there's a couple of cities that'll pay big you can get a, a decent arena in, in maybe Berlin or Munich uh, Stockholm there's some big cities there and then there's the, the fringes off, off in the edge here um, yeah so it's not so typically and, and the way uh, I, I mean I'm not going to comment on the, the incomes but the, typically the way it works is that it's some sort of profit split so right. um, the the way most European gigs go is it's done in a shared budget. So there's a whole amount. There's all the ticket income. Yes, we add up all that money that comes in. Expenses, that gets taken off. And then there's a profit amount for that show. And there's a pre-agreed percentage that the local promoter will get out of that. And then the artist and their side get out of that. So there is a... There is somewhat of a financial motivator for me to sell more tickets, but uh, showbiz being showbiz, that amount that we get, uh, that percentage that, that we get from the cut is being screwed down and down each year. And it's sure. also part of the reason I'm not doing so many big Americans anymore because, again, it's show business fine, and they, they, they turn the screws on us over here. Now, we well, are commodified a little bit. We're just I mean, a place it, now to come. It's a universal law that Americans <laughs> will ruin whatever you have going on um <laughs> so even your comedy act there in in uh estonia we will fi- figure out a way to ruin that um i wanted to ask you lewis if i may so you know and i apologize to all of your you know your regular viewers if this is coming up uh if it's come up in the past i i personally just don't know so you you grew up in australia um and you emigrated from australia when I love the term emigrate because emigrate. usually we say 
people who are moving permanently or some sort of maybe you know refugee or someone who has to move they immigrate uh i went for me i was that dickhead aussie backpacker guy in 2006 like oh okay. right, yeah i'm gonna go to europe and uh live in hostels and shag the birds you had a backpack and a guitar and a dream that was it that was absolutely yeah yeah, yeah. we were those those three of us in 2006 we landed in in frankfurt and we were like bring on the hack bring on the schnitzel bring on the pork roast bring on the uh, the um, yeah anyway bring in all the german food br- br- so bring on the pork Aussie, roast yes bring on the pork roast whatever <laughs> hack they oh my god the the meats you can just walk into this meat establishment on the street in frankfurt and they're just serving you uh, bits of meat on bone roast so, and you're like oh this is it <laughs> so in 2006 you were here. you were you were how old in 2006 26 26 okay so you so, so you're so you're you're Australian. I mean, you've, you've, you've lived in Australia most of your life. I'm assuming you're a pretty young guy. I'm, assu- I'm going to put you at mm, late 30s. You're probably my age. Like, oh, not I'm, too bad. I'm 42. You're 42. All right. You look great. For, I'm 39, and I look like I'm 50. I look like, I'm a, I look like I'm a cancer patient. I look terrible. Use the correct moisturizer. Uh, that's... Oh, is that what it is? That's... <laughs> well, no. No, it's not just it. It's your freaking Australian genealogy, okay? So here's my theory about Australians. Are you ready for this? Okay, good. Let's go. History in the United States tells us that Australia was founded, uh, well, obviously there's aborigines and there's atrocities there. We won't get into that. But you have the crown sends all of their very dangerous convicts to Australia. And they say, let's get these horrible, despicable people the hell out of here. We need to send them to Australia. And they're just going to, you know, take care of themselves out in this remote island out in the middle of nowhere. It's a million degrees fine. That's what history teaches us. My theory is the king was, whoever the king was at the time, was probably not attractive, as most British people are. Um, And the king wanted an attractive woman to be his wife, and she probably besmirched him and said, no, I want nothing to do with it. The king, in his fury, decided, I'm going to send all the goddamn attractive people in England to this remote island. I hate them all. Screw the perfect people. I want them the hell out of here. So they all were shipped, right, to Australia. So now you have this continent of just super attractive people. And they're all milling about having an orgy. And they're just producing more and more attractive people. And then it takes 100 years. And then all of these attractive people decide, we're going to invade the United States and uh, take over Hollywood. And we're going to be in every single movie. I mean, I, have you ever looked like every single Australian actress and actor and actress? They're all just perfect people. Like we got, we've got three Hemsworth brothers. We've got, you know, we've got Eric Bana. We've they got, are. yeah, we've got Guy Pierce. We've got who's the other Australian? Mel Gibson, you know, back in the day. Uh, uh, Russell Crowe before he got fat. I mean, we've got, you know, I, I mean, just just everybody from Australia. You yourself, Lewis, are a good-looking man. Like, what is going? I have never seen an ugly Australian. I don't think they exist. <laughs> That's my uh, that's my take on Australians, and I'm not bitter at all as a pasty white, you know, Anglo-Saxon looking male. But anyways, let's break down history, and and of course I understand the cathode ray podcast is known for its history. So of course yes. people will be looking to us for guides, of course to us for our on the moment. Uh, experts. Yes, experts, absolute experts. I, I think it's odd. If we go back to 1788, that's when the, the first oh. fleet, we say, when they first 12, 9, I wasn't listening in school, a whole bunch of ships, the first, colon, like the first colony arrived. They'd mapped it out. 
There's a bloke called Captain Cook. He'd sailed on a boat. He'd looked around, eventually got speared by some natives in Tahiti. But he'd said, yo, Australia's all right. So they said, okay, we're going to send like 10, 12 ships and full of convicts, full of soldiers and fucking just do it. Go for it. Back then, I mean, England was rancid. I mean, you might think as an American person, England's pretty rancid right now. We're talking the teeth hanging out here. Hey, you going, love? <laughs> Uh, trash piled up on the street right dark and dingy Uh, right in those times london was a dirty place it was right the people were convicts they were getting uh they they didn't have enough jails because anything you were just put in jail for anything stealing a loaf of bread because you're poor in jail didn't have enough jails so they were storing them on boats on the River Thames anyway. So they're like, why don't we just float these boats somewhere else and, and send, send the poor people away? It's the most British way of looking at it uh, you've ever heard. Get rid of those poor people. <laughs> but, so we've got this dirty, squalid inner London of uh, uh, filthy, the, the Black Plague's gone through about a century earlier. I'm really drawing at straws with that connection. But then they send them to Sydney and... I, I can't imagine the weather in Sydney's changed too much in the last 200 years. What is it? Warm, sunny, God, just go right over there, beautiful golden sands. Beach. Here's a beach. Here's a beach. Why a not? Do- there's a dolphin swimming in Sydney Harbour. <laughs> oh, wow. The water is that clean. The purity of dolphins can survive. There's no dolphin, dolphin living in the River Thames. Certainly not. I think it was even more polluted back then. So why did the British find the people they hate the most, which is poor people, and you can't argue with that British people, you hate those poor people. Uh, Why did they send them to paradise? (laughs) They removed themselves from the squalid hellhole of England and sent them to a literal paradise. And I don't... That's the the most British way of thinking. Because in England, it what? Yeah, your focus is killing you, man. Yeah, my focus is... (laughs) All, all of the viewers are just going to, they're going to love your knuckles. They're just going to have great views of your knuckles all day. <laughs> there we go. I've got to adjust the focus later. So, yeah, so it's, it's why did they send it to this paradise? And then, okay, lo and behold, there's a few people that grow up together. And it turns out, you're, if, you, turns out if you grow up in a sunny, nice environment, you might turn out to be a reasonable individual. Yeah. It can help anyway. Well, look, I mean, th- I, this, this podcast is, a, to, you know, here we have Lewis, someone who grew up in Australia, and I probably look like a guy who grew up in England, right? I mean, most of my uh, family's genealogy is English. I mean, just look at the difference. I mean, look. <laughs> Good DNA and, mm, I don't know. <laughs> I wish that I could. I wish that I could claim credit for this because, actually, my family, I'm actually second-generation Romanian. Oh, really? Okay. Of, of all that. So after World War II, turns out there's a little thing called World War II. And mm, uh, after that's done, decide that oh, Eastern, U- so Eastern Europe not doing so well. So after a while, they eventually, both sides of my family, I was born in Australia, but both sides. And they were mixing. I think when you come to a new country, you kind of mix in that ethnic group. So my mother and father met in Australia, both sides Romanian. So I'm oh. Romanian stock. Well, that's grew the- up with the... Well, you're kind of like a super soldier then, because from my from what I remember, every four years when I watch the Olympics, I see the Romanian team come out, and I'm like, they're pretty good looking. The Romanians, you know, they got the Romanians, they got the Russians, you know, they've got like that. I don't know. You just got just, just great need, DNA, and I'm I'm very envious. The DNA of it, is right? okay. You just needed to go to the sunshine <laughs> a little bit, and the Australian <laughs> accent is a weird one because the the reason. Okay, now we're going deep into the, the history. <laughs> 
of it. You know, I came here for CRT and I got Romanian DNA. This got is Roma- weird. Yeah, Romanian DNA. <laughs> so the reason the Australian accent. See, there's one thing, Roger. So you said at the start of the episode that when I was accusing you of uh, looking and sounding like Steve Nutter there, you said right. you couldn't do the accent, which is pointing out that Americans have vastly different accents depending yes. on the corner of the country that you came from. And as I've understood, that's because, I mean, America was founded a good hundred years before... Uh, so you've got very, as I've understood, very isolated pockets. Some people went to the, the South. Some people went to New York. Uh, maybe someone's landed. On, so you're developing independently. Mm-hmm. Australia was all based out of Sydney. It wasn't just like like the Perth guys over the other side. There was some colony there. It was like based out of Sydney. It wasn't just some independent Christopher Columbus motherfucker just setting up in Perth, right? So everyone's <laughs> come from Sydney. So we all talk the Sydney accent. And then you've got all those criminals, the Irish, the, the English, the, the, the Scottish people, the, some Italian. You've got all of that mixing, and it's all coming from one place, and that's what's forming the Australian accent. I heard an Irish guy yesterday. I met him. He spoke very gentle. I would say gentle. It wasn't Ireland, to, uh, right. to be sure. Irish, yippity It wasn't this. It was very gentle, and he was really close to an Australian accent. I didn't want to insult him by telling him this. Uh, so... <laughs> When you shave Scottish, when you shave Irish, when you shave a little bit of continental accent, it all gets blurred into fucking this, mate. This is what happens when all your bloody Europeans get together and start shagging. Then uh, this bloody (laughs) accent comes out, mate. Ah. But it's a great accent. I don't know. I'd much rather have that than, I I don't know. I, I get told I have a true Midwestern accent. And I don't know what that means. I, there, there's varying degrees of Midwestern accents. Like, if you get, mm-hmm. you know, if you get up to Minnesota, it's like, oh, don't you know? Yeah, over there. It, you know, it's you're you're basically Canadian at that point, which makes sense. Then you get to Chicago, and it, it's like, uh, it's just a, yeah, get your jacket over here. Go park over there, eh? And, and, oh, no, that's not. That's Canadian. How does, how does the Chicago accident go? It's, uh... Yeah, I think my, my root word, you always have a root word that brings it out, like jacket. Mm-hmm. You, they do something with the A and they stretch it. Uh, bears, bears, jacket. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, go down to Dearborn, and then there's the deli where you get the good hot dog. You know, that that's kind of Chicago. And then you get to you get to where I'm from in Michigan, and it's kind of like a mix of them both. Like, if you ever hear our, if you ever hear our governor talk, she's always like, car, car. That, that, that's her word that springs it. It's car. And... It's just not the most attractive accent at all. Uh, I actually like the southern accent. I think Steve accent. Steve has like a really subtle southern accent. Like there's a bit of a drawl to it. Uh, it's not, you know, it's not all twang and stuff like that, like most southerners. But uh, but it, it's got a little subtle drawl there. It was a pretty good accent, but and I can't, I can't do that unfortunately. But. Uh, anyway, sorry, sorry for just throwing that thing into the gutter. No, it's good. Accents there, but what I want to talk about, uh, Roger, is so give us your update. Uh, give us an update on what has been happening in retro gaming this week. I know you follow uh, fanboy. That's you use that word, not me. I didn't say such things. Hype man. You, you, oh. you that. So, uh, some, some updates this week. I know Mike Chi had something. And tell us, uh, actually, before we go to Mr. Chi, tell us about what's up with the. Uh, PC the PC engine to USB adapter. Oh, uh, the, the Robert Dale Robert Dale Smith. Have I said that correctly? Robert oh. Dale Smith. You mean this little device I this have here thing. in my left hand? Yeah. The, no. Uh, yes. This this is the USB. I'm probably saying it wrong. I think it's PCE to USB 
Um, it's a little device. I think it's a, um, I think it's a Raspberry Pi Pico, or Raspberry Pico that is just within a uh, 3D printed shell okay. um, that Robert has modified. He's put uh, the DIN connector for the PC engine on one end, and he's put a, a standard USB connection on the other end. And then he's got a USB mini adapter on the top. <clears throat> uh, you plug the PCE connection uh, into the PC engine, turn it on, and you could put any uh, USB-based, you could put a USB cable into this if you want, if you have a, a hardwired controller that has a USB. Uh, you could put a any kind of USB adapter for any wireless uh, controller, and it works with dozens of different controllers. I haven't had the time to test everything, but most things I've thrown at it, it works, and you can you, you can play PC Engine games wirelessly. Finally, um, I mean we've uh, uh, Blue Retro's put out a uh, Bluetooth style connector, so you could play Bluetooth controllers with it. I'm not a huge fan of Bluetooth. I, I, I I'm not I'm not as sensitive to lag as 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 most. Uh, uh, there's a lot of people out there who just refuse to play with Bluetooth because it's it's too laggy. I, but even I have my issues with Bluetooth. Even just playing like PlayStation 3, which is Bluetooth, I, I just notice that the controllers are a little laggier than say the mm-hmm. Xbox 360 controller. So I prefer to have it. I I prefer to have a 2.4G wireless connection, and a lot of people do too. So um, and the 8-bit Do or 8-bit Do uh, controllers have that 2.4G wireless. You know, technology that built right. in that dongle, right? And Smooth and the, the I have, I have. Wait, I want to show you. Oh yeah, you've got a few of them, right? <clears throat> right, one of these. Yes, those are perfect. So they've got, yeah, they've got three variants. This is the Turbo Graphics version. That's the original PC connect, uh, the PC Engine version. They've got a core graphics version too that I have that's really cool. Um, but so the idea, but the idea is then, I mean, this is cool, and I guess maybe the original intent to use these uh, new eight uh, bit Do controllers on your old system, but it can be any USB. It doesn't have to be anything. Plugging in. Well, no, my my favorite application of it, honestly, is so Retrobit put out these wireless Sega Saturn controllers a few years back, um, and they have. Uh, What's cool about Retrobit is they gave you two adapters. They gave you one that was a USB, mm-hmm. and they had one that would connect to your Sega Saturn. So if you wanted to play on the real hardware, cool. If you wanted to play on Mr. or a, a Raspberry Pi or your PC, whatever, here's your USB connector. Um, you could use the USB connector for this controller, plug it into your PC engine, and it's it's programmed. Robert has it programmed to where you could turn it on as a six-button controller so you could play Street Fighter uh, without having to get... You know, if you're if you're new to the PC engine, um, all their controllers are just two buttons. And then they have turbo switches on the top. Well, the the yeah the original PC engine controller looks a lot like yours, Lewis, but it wouldn't have those two turbo buttons or turbo switches on the top. It would just have the yeah. two one and two button. Um, it was just a basic controller. <clears throat> then over time, uh, uh, NEC started putting out turbo switches on the top, so you could toggle a turbo function. And then they released uh, Street Fighter, which came pretty late in the PC Engine's lifespan. Uh, and NS- NEC put out the Avenue Pad, which is a six-button controller. <clears throat> but to my knowledge, I think Street Fighter was really the only controller that took advantage of it. But I think it's really cool that you could use virtually any six-button USB controller, mm. and you could play you could play Street Fighter. You know, uh, on wirelessly real hardware. Which, yeah, on real, real hardware. hardware, which you know, and I. Whatever, play play the game however you want to play it. I, I but just, but for me, like you had brought up Mike G, like any time that 
Mike puts out a firmware update on the retro tank, I want to, you know, I, I nosedive into it. I want to play with all the different features, this, that, and the other thing. Yeah. And I, I found myself testing with, like, the NES a lot, or the Genesis a lot, or the Super Nintendo a lot. And the only reason I was is because it had a wireless controller that was super convenient. I just never played the PC engine because I didn't want to have to unwrap. Okay, gotta get the goddamn yeah, yeah, controller. Yeah, yeah. Gotta That's unwind it. Where is it again? Okay, I gotta plug it in. Now I gotta mess with wires over here. And it's just like I wanted something super convenient. Thanks to Robert, now we can. Now we have that, which is great. So it's an interesting yeah. device. So you've got this is um, the 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 port that goes to the console. So is that like I guess a custom cable, or where are you getting that one end of you? That yeah. so that cable. I just ordered a couple more from Robert. That cable is just a standard. This DIN connector, here, let me get it out of the, the, the bag here. This DIN connector is just a, I don't know the name of it, but it's, um, any old Macintosh has this connection. Um, so these these cables are pretty widely available. <clears throat> but they're, you know, they're, they're on like, they're on, they're, they're on computer stores because most people with old Macs, you know, need these for extension cables for, Mice or mm -hmm. keyboards or who, who knows, but um, this was—he <laughs> told me this was the shortest one he was able to source online, because he needed something to connect yeah. from this to the PC engine. You know, if I had if I had it my way, I'd say, boy, I really wish this was black and not like this <laughs> '80s yeah, off right. off almond, whatever the color this is. But um, beautiful but yeah. beige, beige. Yeah, yeah. There we go. It's a it's a Mac beige. Uh, but it plugs in. I mean, it, it hangs off the PC engine by about, I don't know, six inches. Mm. Or I don't know how many <laughs> centimeters that is. Do you leave yours hanging, you or do you put some support on it? You know, I uh, just leave it hanging. Uh, but, you know, that that's where innovation comes, right? I know RetroFrog will probably come up with some holder, because he's always good yeah. for those. Uh, so there's not so much stress on the port. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I envision one day somebody will come up with just a... A, just a bridge connector, you know, where you could just mm. kind of slot it in. Um, maybe that's that's what's left for this. But otherwise, this little uh, this little dongle works. It works tremendously well. Uh, and I think he just put out a firmware update uh, last night to have. Um, I think now there's DualShock Five uh, support, oh, cool. yep. and that's what this little uh, connector at the top is. You could plug that into your PC. It's super simple. You just open up the file folder. You drop in the update. It updates itself. Um, it's it's is that sixty. Used at all for, is that used oh, for uh, pow power, or is that only used for firmware updates? Uh, just for firmware updates, it's it's powered right off the PC engine. So okay. yep. um, yeah, it's it's a it's a it's a great device. I think he did a fantastic job on it. Um, and it, it just it, you know I, one day I just tweeted, boy, it would be really sweet if if Apeit Doe came up <laughs> with a a dongle for for their because these are really nice control. I mean, Apeit makes mm -hmm. I give them a lot of shit online, but they make great controllers. I mean, and I controller. oh god, and the uh, what's the other one? The M30, the Mega Drive mm -hmm. Genesis Pad. This is probably my favorite controller for any retro gaming. I mean, it's a it's a perfect controller, and uh, and the battery life on these things is is mm -hmm. incredible. Um, so boy, wouldn't it be great if I could finally play one of those with my real PC engine? And uh, so thanks to Robert, really we can cool. do that. So I do like these ones. I like uh, with the Apecto pads that you can turn them uh, wired. You just plug in the USB cable. Uh, mm -hmm. I find that really useful when you're testing something or other. You're not really sure. Something's not right, but you're not really sure which part of the chain. Is it the receiver? Is it the Bluetooth? Is it something? And just go straight into wired, plug it in. Oh, yeah, it works good. It's, the, right. it's that remote connection. So the Bluetooth is, is interesting that you say you don't like it so much. 
Um, I mean, first of all, there's, I think, more work to be done on looking at the lag testing on the Mr. Database. Right. Because there are many, there are many good Bluetooth uh, entries there. There are many good low-level things. I think a lot of Bluetooth is also about the receiver. And I think not a lot of... We just know, like, oh, this is a good one. You know, oh, this is... It's usually, this is the Amazon brand, and oh, I found this is the good one, so yeah. I'm for this. And I don't mean to, to, to smite Bluetooth, right? I mean, Bluetooth, like you said, there's, there's probably some really great advancements in Bluetooth, and there's probably really good Bluetooth controllers out there. It's just, I, I have a prejudice against Bluetooth because my first experience with Bluetooth was the PlayStation 3, which, in, at least in my opinion, has terrible lag uh, with, with their Bluetooth controllers. I never liked it. Uh, I always preferred the Xbox 360 controller because of that. But, um, but and I'm sure Bluetooth now has gotten much better. I'm, I, please uh, uh, give me a really good Bluetooth product. I'll buy it. I'll probably love it. <laughs> I'm sure Bluetooth <laughs> is fine. <laughs> but yeah, there there needs to be some good testing to give us, you know, the raw numbers as to sure. how much more lag are we getting with Bluetooth. That'd be great. And that satin retro bit controller that you have—that's mm -hmm. the model, like you said. That's got one dongle that can go into the satin and one dongle mm -hmm. that will go into the USB. Are those uh, automatically? <laughs> Sinking, and my, my question is about another reason that I really like this is because it's got the built-in dongle. So I, I if I want to do wireless, I just plug it in. There's no syncing; it, it's automatically there. Uh, same thing with my 8-bit-do arcade stick; it has its own dongle, and right. so it just connects. It's it's magic. Um, where I've got the satin replacement pad from 8-bit-do, and I've got one of the receivers as well, and that's a manual sync. I need to, I believe, a Bluetooth sync. So I've mm -hmm. got to uh, sync it on one end and then sync it on the controller, and it mostly works, but it uh, always takes a bit of time, and you've kind of got to learn these weird button combinations. Press da, 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 and you know, Lewis, I think maybe. I think the eight, on the eight bit do end or eight bit do, however they pronounce their name, um, I I think I think the the syncing is done at the factory, which is probably why mm. you have such a you know such a real easy experience whenever you try to connect it because there are times, I mean, you could use whatever connector you want. If, if you have a, a, a USB uh, NES controller that 8 do makes, you could, you could sync these two together if you want to. You're not just stuck with the adapter that came from the factory in the box, but, <clears throat> but yeah. Oh, really, I, wait, wait, wait for a second on that one. So if you had the, <coughs> are you saying, so the dongle that came with this one, right. it's possible to reappropriate that dongle for another controller. That's what that's what Robert has found. Yeah, he was able to sync. Uh, now I don't when I so when you buy these things, uh, Apeido has a number of listings on there. I think I got them off Amazon, but um, you could buy. I've always just bought the connector that fits into the the original hardware. But you could get the separate adapter for the USB dongle, and any of those USB dongles will work with any of their other uh, 2.4G wireless controllers. So you can cross you know, connect them, which makes sense. I mean, because most people that are buying them for the USB dongles are using them for, for Mr. or Raspberry Pi or a PC, something like that. Um, and, and yeah, you could, you could use those interchangeably. Um, but to answer your question about the Saturn one, there is a little bit of every time you turn on the Saturn, uh, it, it, it doesn't, at least from my experience, it doesn't remember the last controller you paired. You have to go back. Mm. Is that true? I think now maybe it does remember it, but that that first time you do have to sync the two together. Mm -hmm. um, but it's not it's not hard, <laughs> you know. It's it's literally just holding down a button for you know a second and a half, and then holding down the other button. Okay, we're good, and then you're you're back in you're, you're back in the game. 
Uh, actually, wait. I want to do one more thing for show and tell time. That's what I love about your podcast. It, it turns into it like <laughs> it like turns into show and tell at some point. Because Look at this new thing I bought. Isn't this great? <laughs> The, the reason that I'm, I'm coming to this, because there's something I don't know. So uh, I didn't get on to yet that when I was talking about I had this big uh, John Cleese theater and there's a rear projector and there's 1,700 seats and it's a massive thing. So what I also did uh, on those days was on the second day, the theater was empty. It was all set up. All the gear, all the professional gear is there and no one comes until 5 p.m. because it's, there's nothing to do. So right. I went in a few hours earlier, and I've got a video that is ready to go next week where I get into the rear projector in this huge theater. I lag test the, the projector. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I saw this. So we see that. I lag test the projector, and then I'm in the hall, and I go through this massive theater, and I sit in various seats trying to see how I'm playing, and I play a little mister in this, this massive room. And what I discovered was the 8-bit though arcade stick with its own 2.4G dongle so I'd no syncing, it's just automatic, right. as you say. This worked really well and went far. On the other hand, I'm using... This is a, a regular Saturn controller with the 8-bit though replacement PCB. Oh, okay. So yep. you open it up, you put it in, and I'm you, unsure... And you, put, you put that in yourself, you installed that, and... Okay. It's a regular Saturn, it's a genuine Saturn shell with the PCB. And then I was... I think you were sort of referring to this. It's this uh, dongle here. Yep. yep. Now, I... I suspect, though, that uh, even though they're both 8-bit Doe products, I think these are talking over Bluetooth uh, anyway. It, it, it could be, Lewis, because they sell mm. Bluetooth products as well. Um, I'm not sure. And, and boy, I don't, I don't know if the controllers have both technology built in. I'm not entirely sure. I know right, some... that's what they, I'm a bit unsure about as well. Yeah. You know, and, and you're right, because I think they do have a... Well, that... It's just the PCB. They don't sell the standalone Saturn because I think Retrobit has the contract mm -hmm. with Sega to produce these. Um, I'm not sure about you know the PCBs if they also put Bluetooth technology in there. You're probably right. You may be right. You I may need to be look right. up that. I, I'm a little unsure which technology it's using. And my my point is that I discovered that when I was using this combination, uh, the reach was much less. It's mm. half as much. So I know w w the, the distances that I'm talking about are still larger than anyone's lounge room, even your lounge room, Roger. I know, no doubt, big in your the Roger Palace there. It's very <laughs> small. What are you talking about? <laughs> but thank you. But the, um, the, 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 the Bluetooth connection, it was still going much larger than your regular lounge room. So there's not mm -hmm. like a concern like, well, the Bluetooth doesn't go very far yet. Settle down, you'll be okay. But you gotta, you but gotta the... think about, you gotta think about Bluetooth, right? Like the Bluetooth, the technology in of itself. Like we've stretched the boundaries of what Bluetooth was designed for, right? I mean, mm. Bluetooth was designed to share, I think, just data between two PCs or two devices wirelessly and effortlessly, right? And then we decided, wait, we could stretch this a little farther. Let's add audio, right? We let's do AirPods. We could stream audio Bluetooth. Um, and now we've we've got okay. Now we've got these. You know, very sophisticated input technologies we could we could cast over Bluetooth, and and you know, when you think about what Bluetooth was actually designed for, we're actually asking Bluetooth as a technology to do an awful lot. And yeah, it's it's very convenient, especially when it, you know you pop in your car and your phone's already connected, and then you could stream whatever podcast or you know uh, stereo you're listening to. And um, so 
it has its limitations, but we're asking it to do way more than it was designed for. So I kind of give Bluetooth a break. Whereas, you know, the RF Radio Free 2.4G, that was designed to do exactly what we're doing with it, you know, and that's why you're going to get a lot better performance out of it. At least, I'm I'm not an engineer. I have no I'm an idiot. Take everything I'm saying with a grain of salt. But <laughs> no, <laughs> you know, you're good, you're good. but at least from what I've read, that's that's why we're getting the the numbers we're getting, or at least the the, the situations that you're seeing, Lewis, uh, with those in different my mind, technologies. Bluetooth is good in your lounge room, in your one room mm -hmm. place that I, I just don't want to be like you. I don't want to sit <coughs> so close to the TV, but there's a couple of meters in between us. There, it's a, like when you start going more than meters, when you start going across rooms, then this is where the Bluetooth technology, I think, anyway. Yeah, it's not. It's real forte anyway. Right. Right. Um, but that's pretty cool. So how is the lag on that project? Because, you know, I watched a... I have no interest in getting a projector, but I know a lot of guys... Oh, wow, I got a 100-inch screen on my wall. Let's play Mario Brothers, you know? Um, I think I watched, like, a, a, a My Life in Gaming video. I think Try did a... Mm -hmm. a, a te he tested various different projectors and stuff. My And I, it's been a few years since I've watched that, but my takeaway was... There's a lot of lag in these things. Um, so what, what was the lag in yours that you, that you found? I think also we need to remember that uh, what Try was doing, and I up, actually up the top there, I don't know, you can't see, but I've got a little projector in this room that I've been fooling cool. around with. And I lag tested that, and it rolled out at about 40 milliseconds. So quite significant, Ooh. about two and a half frames. Yeah. And to lag test, like, like they show in the My Life in Gaming video, you can actually just hold the time sleuth up to the projector, and that's how Which it is works. Which is really cool. It's a little bit... Like you've got to, the angle has to be right and you have to kind of hold it in exactly the right spot. And um, then you hold, you know, you'll move it and it'll, it'll bump it. It won't be right. But uh, so I was using a mic stand actually. Uh, and I showed in the picture that I mounted the times through the top of a mic stand and, and it was able to sit in front of the projector <laughs> in exactly the right spot. So anyway, here, when I do the test in my room with this consumer projector that must have been in a school or an office 40 milliseconds but then i went when i was in the big hall and this is a fifty thousand dollar projector panasonic dlp right. consumer grade right or yeah, very professional grade. grade yeah i know uh that was only 20 milliseconds not bad not, not bad. bad 20 and 1080p 720p 480p all Most people won't notice milliseconds. that no, 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 no. This is totally <coughs> acceptable. And this is also an environment where that projector makes no promises about input lag. It is meant for video. It is meant to be used as a massive-ass rear projector to show videos to some people. It's making no promises that it has to have low lag, but it turns out it does. Well, I mean, I don't think any any projector makes any promises about lag because <laughs> none of them are being used for that purpose, right? I mean, they're all being used to show a PowerPoint. <laughs> <laughs> or a movie or something like that, you know? Right. Uh, so the fact that you're getting, a, what, about a frame and a half, that's pretty good. That's, that's so really good, So I suspect good, that the, it seems to be, with My Life and Gaming and the brief that I've done, your consumer projector probably has a lot more lag in it. Um, I, don't, I mean, I've only tested one. I've only tested a few now. But uh, uh, I would say, you're, yeah, watch out on the consumer ones. That's where you need to watch. But also, like, I'm playing this on a big screen in a big hall. Um, the video that I make, I sort of make fun of myself because I, I do the lag test. I see that it's 20 milliseconds. And then I sit down and play a game in the audience and I'm like, this is what? This is spongy. And it takes me the course of the video and you see my mind finally opening up to understand it's not projector lag that's making it spongy. It's the 2.4G right. 
this right. controller being too far away, which is my whole rant about Bluetooth is really meant for shorter spaces. It's true. And when I switch to the 2.4G dongle with the arcade stick, I'm, I'm in the back of the hall almost playing Street Fighter, which is not an ideal way because it's, it's really quite small. I'm, I'm sort of playing like this. It's not the best way to play, but it was cool anyway. So, so let's just go out and say it. Let's, let's, just, let's just say Bluetooth sucks. Can you just say that? It just sucks. So just my name, <laughs> just avoid my name it. is Steve Nutter, and I think Bluetooth <laughs> sucks. <laughs> Poor Steve. Um, yeah, no, Bluetooth's great, but you gotta, but like you said, it's just it's just tempering expectations. You know, you just gotta know the limitations of the technology, and I think you discovered in your in your test what the limitations of Bluetooth are, and and when is the right and the wrong time to use it. I mean, you're already getting enough lag from the projector in of itself. Why do you want to introduce something else that adds even that much more lag to the experience? It, it may become spongy, like you said. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you tested, uh, you, I think it was yesterday or maybe the day before, you had that, that Dell monitor, uh, that 2007 uh, uh, F, uh, what is it, FP, I think is the model FP, number. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So how did you pick that up? You just found it at a, at a secondhand store or what? What happened with that? Yeah, this is the the model that I've I've, I've had for a couple of months now for for, mm. for quite some time, and I don't know. I'm just sitting here. I was testing something. I wanted to test something to check there was no lag in the middle of it, and then I got into it. Oh yeah, that's right. More show and tell time. I found these <laughs> real cheap. It's a uh, Extron nice. Matrix switch for VGA. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's got multiple inputs, multiple outputs. You can sign anything to anything, and I just wanted to check that. It was lag-free, and yes, lag-free. So yeah, then this 2007. So what to do with this? Um, This monitor here, it's the 20-inch, and the 20-inch is a bit rare. It's not very common. I found that the 17s and the 19s are really cheap. They were really commonly used in offices. So Mm -hmm. they're dime a dozen. You get them for 5 bucks, 10 bucks. Really, really cheap. And they have a reasonable response time. The 17 and 19s have a 5-second but this 20-inch is a bit... I don't know. This is the biggest uh, the biggest 4x3 monitor that Dell ever made. It's actually 4x3. The 19s and the 17s are actually 5x4. They're 5x4, yeah. Uh, so, and it has this extremely low response time uh, as well. So as we saw on this thing, 2 milliseconds. So, I, and that's, I think it's important when thinking about LCDs to remember that LCD panels have had a lifetime like all right. technologies. And a CRT that we still love, I see some CRT from the 80s, some early CRT, maybe an early Trinitron, and this is really still something to collect, something to have, something that could still give you a reasonable result and feel that. But those early LCDs are just gutter trash. Junk. They're junk. Absolute <laughs> junk. I don't think, I can't see a way that we're going to have some sort of revival where we miss the the hazy, the the motion blur, the slow response times of those early LCDs. I don't especially, think they're coming espe- back. Especially those early LCDs where they, you know, they were trying to bridge the gap between digital and analog, and they started putting in all of those analog signals in them, yeah. and there was so much goddamn lag in those monitors. I, I just went to a buddy's house. Um, he's got kids that are about my age, my, my kids' age, so they were playing, and he set up his NES to this old 4x3 LCD monitor. It was some off-brand called, like, Apex or something like that. Ooh. I think they sold them at Walmart back in the day. 
Um, and it had an S video connection and a composite connection in addition to an L uh, a VGA connection. So we had, you know, it was composite into the NES. And he had Mario Brothers 3, which I've played Mario Brothers 3 for probably most of my life, right? I mean, it's sure. probably m one of my top five favorite video games. So I know this game like the back of my hand. I know how to do, I know when to execute every jump perfectly. I know exactly, I could play <laughs> the goddamn game, Lewis, with my eyes closed, okay? That's how much Super Mario Brothers 3 I've played. I sit down to play this game and I am dying. <laughs> Without much effort, I'm dying. And it's because there's so much goddamn lag on this thing. Uh, and mm -hmm. I was just like, I turned to him and I'm just like, how the hell are you playing this on this monitor? And he's oblivious because he hasn't mm -hmm. played it since he was eight, you know, and he's playing and he's like, what, man? I think this is fine. So, so I didn't, t I, I'm sitting there, I'm on my phone. And I'm just, uh, uh, hey, Mike, what's your address? Okay. Uh, your zip code? Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, you can be around the house by Monday. Yeah, okay. And I, I sent him a, a, a RetroTink 2X. I bought it for him. <laughs> <laughs> I sent it to his house. I'm like, plug this into your flat screen. Be done with it. Just throw this thing out. <laughs> Get rid of this goddamn thing. And he, he wrote me back when he got it. He's like, this thing's terrific. This is amazing. So, um, yeah, I don't know how people... I don't want history to remember those monitors <laughs> fondly at all. <laughs> you know, they're the exactly. worst. Exactly. And so the, these, by the time you get to the, uh, by the time LCDs are switching from 4 by 3 to, to, to 16 by 9 by about that time, uh, that is when I think LCD technology got pretty reasonable. And that's when yeah. this monitor is from. It's the last 4 by 3 that Dell made, this 20-inch this that I've got. And this is where we're clocking in at 2 milliseconds. Everything looks nice. Uh, this is an IPS screen, so it's a little bit yeah. more advanced. It looks a little bit better. Even back then, Dell were playing some fuckery that there are some of these 20 inches that are not IPS, and you can only tell by one code on the uh, serial number or whatever, the product number, this big long thing, and then the final letter tells you whether it's an IPS or an older, older technology. Right. So my one's, uh, this one here is an IPS, and I'm thankful for that. So that... that my encouragement to people is get the, the final 4x3s. By the time the late 4x3s, the technology has hit, you're getting a 4x3, you're getting a square, even 15, even 5x4, okay, it'll do. Um, and the big thing for me is that it swivels. HP has a 20-inch, which is very similar from what I've heard, but doesn't swivel. And you want that Tate, Tate. Oh, you want the Tate, of course. I'm sitting there like, why the hell do you want it to swivel? And of course, because you want to play, right. <laughs> oh, that's... There you go. Dell, Dell. I can... Whoop, we'll put that one back down there. Now you can play Raiden. There you go. Uh, now you I can play Truxton. Perfect. Um, that's funny. So that, you that, know, that tweet kind of... Yep, go. The only reason I'm familiar with that with that monitor is because that monitor is heavily sought after in the arcade one-up community because they like taking that monitor uh, and sourcing it and putting it in their arcade one-ups and now they've got a 20-inch LCD with very very low lag uh, wow. connects really well to their uh, to the Raspberry Pis or PCs whatever they're putting in that arcade one-up so the mod community. That's why I think the price has gone up quite a bit because after you posted that I was like oh yeah I've seen that before. I looked, and they're asking for you know three fifty, four hundred dollars for that. What? For that, Did that work? Yeah. So there you go, Lewis. I'm sending this thing to America. Fuck it. Yeah, I yeah. They're, they're at, it's fetching quite a bit. But like you said, the 17 inch, the 19 inch, you know, those are dime a dozen. Uh, and, and, and they, they are. Quite, they're, 
quite and acceptable. They're five, four. I've, I've tested them. They're five four, so yes, you're a little bit off, uh, but they're definitely five milliseconds uh, as well. Uh, I've put a time sloop up to, to those ones. So if you can find those for, because they should be ten bucks. Yeah, they the, are. The I, I've never seen one over forty dollars. I mean, they're generally pretty cheap. But that's a that's a nice little so. But just every time you look at it now, you're like, you know, I could get four hundred dollars for this thing probably. <laughs> Same time, I'm sitting. Well, there's the there's the twenty inch BVM sitting in the background there. So yeah, that's a car. That and... You could buy a car for that. Go ahead, sell that, Lewis. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> that's funny. So yeah, that's uh, as far as uh, retro goes. I mean, that was the big thing uh, that came out this week, at least for me. Um, uh, you know, I we're still all anxiously awaiting the the tink 4k i know mike's uh hard at work on that he he'll send me a dm a little sneak peek of what's coming up and uh and that i think that device is gonna literally change every i mean the tink 5x pretty much changed everything i mean we're getting we are getting so close to replicating the crt experience uh on a digital end that is just incredible to me i mean what he's done with those scanline filters you know, the, you, you could put on the PVM 600 filter on the Retro Tank. Compare, I mean, because my PVM is a 600 TVL. They look identical, especially now that he's integrating uh, HDR, uh, really brightens the LCD screen or the OLED screen. Um, you know, you're getting that um, uh, perfect um, uh, black frame insertion on the OLED. So now motion is looking that much closer to CRT. That was always the biggest knock against flat panels is... There's, you're still going to have that inherent motion blur, and it's just, and and you don't notice it with all games, but games like, like Sonic the Hedgehog or Super Mario Brothers, when they when they just go across that 2D plane, you do notice that ghosting a little bit on an LCD, and it drives some people nuts that other people would never notice. But um, but man, we're 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 almost there, and I think now with, you know, stretching that 240p image to 4K. Uh, that scanline filter is going to be that much more defined, and it's going to look uh, that much closer to what we what we're looking for. And and this is like the most niche thing ever, right? I mean, the <laughs> vast majority of people aren't going to care. They're just going to go, "Wow, look how sharp that is at 4K." But uh, absent light guns, I mean, we're pretty much there. And it's it's such it's such a, a cool development in such a short period of time. I mean, you got to remember the the Retro Tink 5X came out, I think, in it was April of 21. So, you know, we're a year oh, and a half like it's out. It's been around forever. It, it, right? Doesn't it feel that way? It's only been a year and a half. And uh, and now we're, <laughs> Mike, I always made fun of Mike. I'm like, why are you doing this? Like, <laughs> you, you, you put out a product that's the best on the market. Uh, it, it, everybody loves it. Everybody wants to buy it. Now you're just going to, you know, you're just going to, uh, 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 at, the, at the sacrifice of your own profits, now you're going to make a new product that now everybody's going to want to buy that one. But he, he, uh, but he sees that everybody wants it, so he's going to put it out there. I think it's I think it's a really cool achievement. So can't wait for it. I have a technical question, and I understand you know you you've already said you're not the technical guy, but see if you can fill in some gaps for me with this. So the the even right now the five X is getting really close, as you were saying, to looking like a PVM. You said you you were putting <coughs> them together, and you're getting a very uh, similar, extremely similar result. Is that mm-hmm. what you say if you use side-by-side? Very, very, very close, yes. Okay, so if we say that, let's say that making my flat panel look like a CRT is the goal, if that's our goal here, it may not be everybody's goal, but let's say that's the goal. Is the way to replicate that, is the way that Mike is doing it, uh, is to actually replicate what the CRT is doing 
on the screen? Is he actually replicating the down to the, the very fine bits, the red and the green and the blue yeah. all combining together? So he's the way to make a flat panel look like a CRT isn't just some, I don't know, filter that goes over the top and it magically makes it look like that. Because from a distance, right, you sit back a couple of meters where Mike's solution is actually to make to draw the screen like an LCD would draw them. Is something like that happening? It, it, it really boils down to uh, replicating the, like you said, the, the, the replicating the look of, if you, if you get close, can I see the actual phosphors? You know, or if, if on, mm. uh, you know, like on his PVM setting, it's replicating what an aperture grill is. Does it, if I get close, does it look like an aperture grill? And it, I mean, it's pretty darn close, but then when you get really close, you're like, Oh wait, that's that's not a hundred percent accurate, right? Especially, but no one plays their freaking CRT within a millimeter of the screen, right? Mm-hmm. But but that's where you could see the differences. But sitting back, you're like, yeah, it, and it and it enhances the sharpness so much on a flat panel. I know I don't play with the shadow mask filter that Mike has, but a lot of people rave about it, um, especially a lot of people that um, you know are just used to playing on arcades and things like that they, they just swear by it but i think that's really where the key is because we've had scalers for a while right i mean the, the frame meister was out in 2009 10 something like that i can't remember maybe a little later than that um but that would just draw a scan line across the image there was no there was no uh number one there was no um demand for someone to go, yeah, but could we make it look more like an aperture grill? You know, nobody actually wanted that technology. And then Mike started, and 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 there's probably a million people watching, going, "You idiot! There was somebody in some for <laughs> RetroArch made this, you know, filter, and it goes on the Raspberry Pi or it goes on the PC. It's been emulated for years. It it probably has been, but Mike, to me, Mike's the guy who said, let's put it in an analog to digital scaler for all this real hardware, and now." You know, I'm, I'm pretty much replicating the, the CRT experience on a flat panel. Which The only difference, Lewis, to me, I think we're not quite there yet. Um, and, and it comes down to lag. When, when, if we're setting up the flat panel to look uh, just like the CRT, we're introducing HDR. You know, we're improving on uh, motion blur with uh, black frame insertion. When we're doing all of that by injecting HDR into the image, you're adding lag, at least from, from my testing. So, um, you know, I, if you play the retro tank just normally, SDR, you're not adding HDR, you're not adding that black frame insertion. <clears throat> the, 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 you know, mic is about a frame of lag, which is acceptable for everybody. Once you add in um, HDR to brighten that screen, um, I'm getting anywhere from... It's it's over three frames of lag, so uh, that's been my my takeaway from my testing. And I do the lag test with the 240p test suite. I run the flat screen, uh, run it simultaneously with the CRT. I take a picture, and it, it tells you exactly where the where the frames are at. Um, that's been my my issue. I think we will see an improvement there with the RetroTINK 4K, um, just because now you're you're playing that game on its on the native. On the native resolution of the of the panel, rather than letting the panel stretch that 1440p or 1080p to the 4K, that that might be where the lag is being created. So Mike might be able to offset that number quite a bit uh, now that you're displaying it at the native resolution. We'll see. So that that's that's my only my only gripe. Is the lag it, when 
we're using these HDR techniques to produce <coughs> a, a better looking image, and you said that well, that's increasing the lag in the situation. Is that extra lag there coming because the retro tink needs to do more processing, so it needs a little bit more time to, to leave that in the buffer to work on it? Or is it also when it hits the television, the television, no matter what game mode you've got, it just takes longer to process HDR? I think I think it's the latter. Uh, now I don't again. I'm an idiot, okay? So, <laughs> but at least, uh, but even just uh, modern games, if you're going to play PS5 or Series X or, or something that has HDR uh, support, you know, the lag numbers are going to be a little higher on that HDR content versus the SDR mm -hmm. content. So it may just be something inherent within the panel's technology. Um, and now all these manufacturers are chomping at the bit to figure out ways to get that latency down on, on HDR uh, on OLED panels. So, um I think it's the latter. Mike's trying to do, at least from what I've talked to Mike about, uh, he's trying to do as much as he can on his end to try to reduce that number. Because, And it's a shame, really, because when you do introduce HDR and you brighten that screen, I mean, it always has been when you set the retro... Do you have a RetroTINK 5X, Lewis? I don't, actually. I'm going to send you to... one. <laughs> I'm going to buy you one. So, I mean, it really is. It's just it's just fantastic technology. For 300 bucks, it's the best value in gaming. Um, it, it's... Uh, but... He has this BVM filter, which is trying to replicate an 800 uh, TVL BVM, and it looks so sharp. But the problem is the scan lines are so damn thick, uh, it darkens the screen so much to the point where on SDR, when, it, when the TV is on SDR, I never want to use it because it's like I can't see the damn thing. It just dims the image so much. But then you inject HDR, now the screen's brighter, and you go, wow, this looks fantastic. It looks even sharper than you know, what I'm used to with the PVM filter I always use. And um, and that's the shame of it, is it adds just that extra bit of lag where you're just like, God, it looks fantastic, but I just don't know if I could play that. I mean, if you're if you're playing RPGs or something that latent, who cares about latency, then I think it's perfect. But if you're playing like an action platformer, it might be a deal breaker for some. So, so is the theory that when we, when Mike's moving to the 4K, that means we've got so much, so many extra pixels, so, so much more over 1080p that he can keep getting more and more detailed with the replication yes. of the way the CRT works. Now yeah. it's pretty good, but with double or whatever it is, quadruple the amount, he could really yeah. replicate it. Yeah, and he's he's posted some. I mean, he he's he's uh he's always good about teasing his stuff. I mean, he he keeps yeah. posting these these images of what he's doing real up close and you could just see how much detail there is per pixel it looks fantastic and now he's adding more blur because everybody says well you got to blur it a little bit so it looks you know it doesn't look too good crt still had a little bit of blur to him and uh he's added that but but yeah that's i think that's the goal lewis is that the higher the resolution the more and more detail he can get to the point where it replicates just those those phosphors that you get on a crt which is really cool and the and the black <clears throat> black frame insertion which if someone doesn't know they're listing so the idea is that uh, some devices now there's a technique that that's starting to be used where to put a, just a uh, to increase the frame rate and then put a black a black screen a yeah, black frame right. in the middle which helps the screen it stops it from ghosting and sort of it cancels out the last thing's pixels and so the next one so there's not this motion blur uh, response time but isn't that uh, something that typically happens with 120 hertz, so then you can double it uh, and it right. comes down to 60? Or how is the 5X dealing with this? Uh, I don't know if the 5X is, is dealing with it per se. Yeah, it's, just, okay. it's, just the, it's just the television is doing it. Like you said, the, the requirement, the threshold is 120 hertz television. You need that 
because then you're inserting that black frame every other frame, so it's down to 60. Okay. So it looks like just a 60 hertz television, just looking at it. Um, and, and all it is is the black frame insertion is fine, but what it does when you keep adding that black frame every other frame, it darkens the image. And, um, and that was, if you follow John Linneman on, on, uh, on Twitter, uh, he's been raving about this for, for probably over a year. He says, this is really the only gripe I have about LCD technology is that it just, there's this blur here. And most people who aren't PC gamers, we look at playing on a flat panel and we're like, what the hell are you talking about, John? But, um, but for PC gamers, they know, that's, that's where it comes from. It's PC gamers where they see the blur because they're so used to playing their games on CRTs. And then they make this the transition to an LCD technology, and they're like, what is all this motion blur that I never have experienced before? And you might be a little more sensitive to it because you're sitting so close to the screen. Um, and now they started implementing black frame insertion. Um, but, to, but the detriment is it darkens the image. So, you know, Mike, in his infinite wisdom, figured out, well, this is the workaround. Let's just inject HDR. HDR is going to get all those nits uh, on your LCD or your OLED panel. It's going to brighten the screen, so it's going to offset uh, the damage that black frame insertion does, but you're still going to get the benefits of smoothing out that motion blur. Um, uh, and it's, you know, I, it's almost perfect. Almost perfect. The problem is, at least from my experience, it's been lag. That's that's the okay. only problem with it. So from what the way that <coughs> you're describing it, um, black frame insertion could come from two ways. Uh, maybe a, a device itself outputs 120 hertz, and it turns out that when it's sending that 120, that every second frame is black. The other way it occurs to me that it could happen is the TV could just say, yeah, I'm a 60 hertz TV. Give me a, give me a 60 hertz, no problems. But internally, the screen can run at 120, and it takes the 60 and goes one from you, one black, one from you, one black. And then the, oh. the TV itself could insert the black frame. Where is that... Is the TV doing it in your setup? Is the TVs do that? In, is that in, how it in my setup, yeah. My, my OLED, okay. I have an LG G1. The TV is inserting the black frame. It's, uh, L, they call it their LG Motion Pro. Every manufacturer has their own crappy yeah, marketing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's black frame insertion is what it is. It's all the same technology. And uh, so it's being done at the TV end. It's not being done by any device connected to it. Um, I think that's how it's done all the time, Lewis. I think every... Black. I, I'm not aware of any device, whether it be a PC or a console, that mm -hmm. inserts black frames. It's always the panel. Wasn't the uh, I, and I'm really <coughs> stretching at straws here, but wasn't that new OSSC supposed to do it? Not just the version that's coming in the future, but the one that Bob tested. That uh, the the creator of the OSSC made that little hat that's like the light version and sticks on a DE10 Nano, and you get oh. your OSSC version. I remember Bob saying like it's. I think it was coming to that device like if any device is happening soon he was going to try to roll it into that but no i'm not okay we're not putting pressure i, I, I am that. not i am not sophisticated enough to, I, I mean number one i'm not sophisticated at all number two i don't remember uh i think i i do remember bob doing that but you know i just i, I try to consume as much of bob's content as i can but it's, sometimes i miss things so <laughs> says a lot of things okay you don't have to yeah. listen to bob all the time it's all right <laughs> Well, maybe we'll wrap. We're just going a bit over an hour, so we might wrap it up there, Roger. I feel, yeah, man, whatever. That's fine. Uh, it's, yeah, we'll do the quick uh, Final thoughts. Um, yes, you're please. A you're a beautiful Australian specimen. Um, you know, uh, and no, I wish you the best of luck with uh, Mr. Cleese. 
Sir, he's a sir, is he not? Order of the British Empire, I believe he is. Uh, well, he tells the story on stage that he's not a sir and he's not anything. They wanted to give him a CBE, which is a story. He tells this story on, on the stage that they wanted to give him CBE, which is commander of the British Empire. And then he apparently asked, well, can I call myself commander? And they went, no. And then he said, what exactly is this empire that I right, commanded? Right, and they went, uh, right. can so you he, Can you point to the tank that I get to command? Is there something out there? <laughs> so apparently, as John tells it, they offered him a CBD, he, a C, CBE. He right. uh, respectfully declined in his own John Cleese way, and they have not offered him any uh, royalty titles since then. What a shame. If there's anyone who deserves the highest of distinction, and, you know, without getting into why do we still have a monarchy in England anyway? I mean, <laughs> I don't even, I've shut, I made a comment earlier, like, I'm just blocking all of this stuff. I don't want to hear any more about the royal family. I'm so, how do you feel as an, I'm sorry, you're trying to wrap up, but, but right. as an Australian who has some form of, you know, uh, I, I don't know. There's no. I know it's a sovereign nation, Australia, but they still have some reverence for the crown. Yes, I mean they're still. Sure. So we don't have a president. We right. We do not have the position of a president. We have a person called the Governor General, and mm. then that person is the Queen's representative in Australia. Uh, they don't have much power. The last time they exercised their power was. 20, 30 years ago, I'm thinking Whitlam, if someone's Australian. So they don't have that same... I, I, I couldn't tell you the Australian Governor-General's name today, for example. And I'm quite sure... Could you tell me the name of the President of America? Well, yeah, so to give you an example of how those two roles uh, are seen as different. I am... Uh, look, I'm a white Australian. I'm an immigrant two generations ago. We said that. So I don't want to be here and be like, oh, they oppressed my people and, and so so forth. Um uh, I, I think Australia just had a nostalgia for the old girl, and I think now she's fallen off the perch. I think that that's over. We won't have so much of that anymore. Um, I don't have a fondness personally for the royal family. They're fine people, sure. They do what they do. It's nothing like that. But uh, certainly very sad that such a loved person has passed away. Um, and we want to look at that. But she still represents an institution and an empire. Right. And I'm not a real fan of that. I think Australia should be independent. I think we should uh, uh, sever the... And there's not that many ties left. It's just the, it's just the mind game. It's nostalgia. not really changing it's, much. It's, it's nostalgia. nostalgia. Like, it's the affection for the old girl, as you said. You know, I think that's pretty spot on. And I'm curious, all these other British... Uh, you know, like the British Islands and all of these other former British colonies, if they're going to follow suit, kind of like that. Like, we had some nostalgia for the old girl, but we're, we're done. <laughs> I think know? we could be done. I Hopefully done. And it doesn't really change anything. It's not like, oh, we're suddenly going to be poor because we got cut off or something. Like, guess what? They're probably poor countries anyway because the British Empire fucked everybody. But we said we weren't going to go to the politics, so... All right. We're, oh, we're there, there, sorry. We're... <laughs> <laughs> I took it in there. Fuck the British. Okay, but I'm not... Maybe I can say, I, I, anyway, I won't do accents. All right, everyone, thank you very much for watching. Thanks, Roger, for coming on. I appreciate you You getting up earlier and doing it here. You've got the kids' soccer game. You've got the football game happening soon. That's right. I believe That's right, a couple hours. On that. couple hours. All right, All right, Lewis, thanks for having me, man. I'll do it anytime. Thanks, thanks so much. Thanks for listening, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye now.